0: Oh, I can see the little recording bars moving I across know, the screen.
1: waveform. Wow, and yours are bigger than mine this
0: time. So <laughs> oh, it's, this is a whole new world. Yeah, I finally made it out of that out of that uh, that old old well that I was trapped in mm-hmm. for the first yeah. three episodes, and uh, and now we're just we're working fine. I'm a little bit worried that I'm going to get distracted just by looking at the waveforms as they go. It's very hypnotic it is hypnotic yes yeah yeah you could just kind of fall into a deep deep slumber
1: and never really awaken again right so this is the lincoln and wells
0: podcast episode four episode four uh the first or or episode one if you're an audiophile because there's no way you'd stand to listen to the first three um where again i was in that well i'm tyler dean i'm ben miller um let's cast a pod Yeah, um, it's been two weeks, I think, since we last recorded, or thereabouts, and uh, uh, in those last two weeks, uh, the uh, last two episodes of Game of Thrones occurred. Since you're the real Game of Thrones, both
1: fan and expert here, um, and I've already humiliated myself several times by erroneously recounting various plot points and bits of dialogue, just how are you feeling? A week has passed um, a week has passed over
0: and uh and yeah all the all the uh all the medieval food that i made for my game of thrones watch party has finally exited my system um last of it evaporated out of my pores so i'm, I'm sober again um i think uh <laughs> i'm feeling pretty good i'm feeling pretty good i i was one of the few people uh, apparently who enjoyed the finale um That is not to say that I don't have significant problems with it, but I kind of feel like they stuck the landing better than I thought they would. So, you know, I I enjoyed that.
1: You and I are on the same page in that regard. I also enjoyed the finale, despite the many problems that people have rightly pointed out. It has
0: yeah, uh, I think just if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about the problems that it had in general, like you know, this whole season had bad pacing, um, and I think most of the problems are like in them being kind of bored. Like I just that was the feeling I got was they were they were bored um, with making this last that this last season, which absolutely seems impossible. Yeah, I think yeah. they
1: really were ready to get it over with, mm-hmm. and start made Star a lot Wars. of decisions
0: yeah based on that because clearly and, this should have been a full season at least it may be like i think maybe the last two seasons should have been three full seasons together you know um or at least at least two to really bear out the plots they were trying to do yeah mm-hmm. that said I, I did like where things went went uh eventually People are very divided on Bran being uh, king. Spoilers for Game of Thrones, by the way. Uh, Bran is king. Yeah, if people are. If people <laughs> have listened
1: to our previous podcasts and are not prepared for spoilers. Fair then, enough.
0: Yeah, we had some Dune spoilers last time, so
1: yeah, we spoiled Dune. We spoiled, you know, relatively obscure fantasy novel.
0: And then we're going to spoil your uh, your piano recital later. So, uh, people who are still waiting to watch Ben's piano recital. You know. Let's just keep teasing that for the rest of this. I'm excited. This podcast. I'm excited to do I mean, that. Yeah. Until the end of time. Right, right. Um, because your career as a as a, a pianist, a concert level pianist, isn't you know, it's not gonna take off or anything, so we're sort of safe with that. You know, I said that ironically, but I realized that it's not ironic, probably. Well, it, it, no, it You're is. You're not going to become a Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. So I feel bad for saying that in such a straightforward way. Yeah, I mean, joke. way
1: to kick me in the fucking nuts
0: with oh, that. Jesus I Jesus Christ! I thought I was headed for a second, second career. Do you ever hear in the sweets? Is that a thing that you've, like, for for being kicked in the nuts? Kicked in the sweets. I remember that from something in my childhood, and I can't.
1: It sounds like it would be from a James Cagney movie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got him right in the sweets. You know, I actually watched... The the name of this podcast inspired me to go watch some Orson Welles clips on YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, I couldn't find any Abraham Lincoln clips on YouTube, but mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: Orson Welles was the fucking best. He really
0: was great. He really I, was I'd great. I kind
1: of forgotten I mean, how magnetic...
0: He was. Yeah, yeah. He's he's unbelievably charismatic, even when he is the drunkest he has ever been, or just or just pissed about the copy that they've written him about peas. You've seen the frozen pea commercial. That was not one of the ones I came across. Oh. I was watching
1: more of the you know him as Clarence Darrow.
0: Oh, fair enough. Fair and, enough. Like his his actual yeah. career, not his like late stage one so Probably the things
1: he was slightly more uh, proud of, as opposed to the. <laughs>
0: the horrible degradation he had to submit himself to well i just i mean all, all i did was watch a bunch of pinky in the brain clips so i'm pretty sure like i'm i've got the same sense of who worsen well, was from that i did
1: also watch um the scene from ed wood mm-hmm. with uh what's his name
0: maurice lamarche is it, it's no
1: it, it's i think i think it's vincent oh, d'onofrio yeah. vincent Isn't
0: d'onofrio me? is the is the body and Maurice LaMarche is the oh, are voice. Are serious? Yeah. He didn't do Maurice, into his own voice? Uh, uh, so, you know, Maurice LaMarche, who is of, you know, Futurama fame and, and who was the voice of the brain in Pinky and the Brain, is apparently the only human being alive who can do an Ed Wood impression. And so, not, not Ed Wood, uh, who can do an Orson Welles impression. So, right. um, so yeah. They <laughs>
1: but that scene takes place in a booth at Musso and Frank that we've had dinner. Oh, on.
0: yeah. I've cool. forgotten that. That's pretty good.
1: But we should probably come back to Game of Thrones. Probably we've got all the time in the world to talk about Lincoln and Wells since they're our our spirit animals. That's true. Absolutely. Um, But um, yeah, so most people seem to kind of hate the finale. You and I liked it okay despite its problems. mm -hmm. I think this this whole season I I noticed like an on off pattern with a lot of people where mm -hmm. it would go episode by episode. And opposite groups of people would hate or love the episode. And they were very consistent.
0: Yeah. Um, um
1: you think that's the schism in David and Dan?
0: I think that's the schism in David and Dan. It's it's uh well, okay. I actually have no idea um like what the schism is there, uh, because as far as I can tell, Dan Weiss is just like a scared cypher who <laughs>
1: He's kind of a meat puppet
0: that he's David Benioff of, yeah, controls. Yeah, like it's, yeah, I
1: think it's, that's plausible. It's well tight, it goes along with yeah. my theory that they live together and they're both married to Amanda Pete.
0: Right, right. And, and that, uh, that uh Benioff doesn't get to doesn't get to watch the episodes until he's older. Um, right <laughs> Uh like it's so clear. You know, when you name your production company, Big Head Little Head. i I feel yeah that's a real dominance it's a a real it's a real and you know and you know david benioff looks a lot like a kind of angry silverback gorilla there's a sort of feeling of he exudes the kind of raw power he's got that leonine mane you know and i i can't imagine him without like a a tumbler of whiskey in one hand
1: yeah well Maybe that's maybe the whole Ramsey Reek storyline was just
0: them working. Yeah. Out oh, that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, I'm pretty sure Dan Weiss has a has a race car bed. That's just that's I can't. I've been realizing that I've never actually vocalized it's, it, but that's all I can think. Uh, yeah. It, it, His legs
1: hang off it like to the ground.
0: Mm -hmm. He's had Mm -hmm. the same
1: one since he was about seven years
0: old. Yeah, and he sleeps um, curled up in the fetal position. Yeah. David Benioff
1: just won't let him get a new one.
0: Right, right. You know, the whole time that Benioff was writing the 25th hour, Dan Weiss was just in there thinking someday, someday I'll get a real bed. Someday it'll be the twenty-six hour. Oh yeah. man, wouldn't that be um, great if Dan Weiss wrote wrote a, a, a film the called the twenty-six hour. hour?
1: It's about the guy getting out of jail. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's
1: great, <laughs> great first day back on the street. Um.
0: Oh man. But yeah,
1: so that article that was in Scientific American that yes. a lot of people were sharing and reading this week. The thesis of it was basically that the schism is that there were two shows. There was a sociological show as imagined by george rr R. martin right. it was about massive societies and institutions and the effects they have on individuals and then there's a a personal psychological show which is the more typical kind of show we're used to about individuals and their personal choices and reasons for doing things, right? Am I summing that up okay? Yeah,
0: no, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, by the way, this is an article um, from May 17th, 2019 in Scientific American by uh, Zeynep Tufekci. I'm very sorry if I am pronouncing that wrong. I, I definitely yeah. agree
1: with some of the points she made. And I think there's a lot of evidence for that mm-hmm. division. I also think people like there just seems to be so much vitriol at Benioff and and Weiss now after these yeah. last couple of seasons. In fact, she says in this article, she says after the show ran ahead of the novels, however, it was taken over by powerful Hollywood showrunners David Benioff and D B Weiss. And it's like no. <laughs> yeah. It was created from the beginning.
0: Right, by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss as a those, TV show; those powerful Hollywood players, and Mr. Amanda yeah, Peet.
1: Well, they're powerful because of this show.
0: Yes, they yes. were not powerful before. I mean, right. Um, I mean, yeah. Twenty Fifth Hour aside, David Benioff also wrote um, the first Wolverine sequel, right. just called yeah. X Men Origins Wolverine, and uh, and Troy. And I, I love the script for Troy, uh, but it is not a film really worth. Uh, Neither one are, are good films. Oh right, um, yeah. Sorry, it goes without saying X-Men Origins, Colin Wolverine is terrible, but <laughs> it was written by David Benioff.
1: But so just the revisionist history to say that these guys are to blame for everything bad about the show and have <laughs> nothing to do with anything that was good about it just seems very
0: unlikely to me. Yeah. And and I, I also feel I mean like I think if there's a point in there uh, especially about the sociology to psychology thing, it's that you know um, Benioff and uh, I actually don't know a ton about what Dan Weiss has done. I know he graduated from Iowa, um, just as as Benioff graduated from our alma mater, uh, UCI. Yeah. So they're so both I've, from. I've actually yeah. met
1: David Benioff.
0: Oh, oh, because um, oh, because the hometown advantage.
1: Yeah, and I mean by met it like hi hi, over interaction Right. Dumb. right. Uh, Heard him like give a talk or you know on a yeah. I mean, I
0: I met Amanda Peet in a dream once, but you know yeah.
1: So (laughs) she was scary. (laughs) Was she? uh, Did she have her hands sort of inside Dan Weiss, kind of controlling his? No, no, but she
0: did. She did have toads for eyes. So you know, I don't know what that's about, but. Stop it, Amanda. Like Pete. whole toads Just in her toad eyes? Eyes. Not, not, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Not toad eyes. Right. But otherwise, she was completely identical to her character in uh, the whole nine yards. Um, another classic. So, yes. You've met Benioff. Right. So this Dan is...
1: Dan Weiss's wife also went mm-hmm. to UC Irvine. In oh, okay. The MFA program. And I think that's how the two of them know each oh,
0: other. Oh, fascinating. All right. Yeah. All right. They're not monstrous human beings. No, no. I mean, hopefully not. As far as we know, they are not monstrous human beings. That said, I mean, I do think that if if the um, uh, Scientific American piece um, is sort of getting something right in sort of ascribing it to them. It's that, you know, while obviously Benioff, and I assume Weiss as well, uh, Benioff certainly has, like, written a novel, right, came out of this this Irvine MFA program that's very prestigious and and focused on novel writing, they really have both found success in screenwriting. And uh, I think in general, it's much easier to write a a psychology-based screenplay or teleplay than it is to write a, you know, a a sociology-based one. You know, that does seem to be the purview of novels. And, you know, I think there are shows like, I don't know. The Wire, I would say, is certainly a sociologically interested yeah, show.
1: she cites The Wire yeah. as
0: another example. And right. right, and I think that's right. And
1: I do. I, and I think she's right about the fact that though she's kind of light on examples in her piece, that it did start out very much as that kind of show, and it it lost track of that in the last couple seasons. Though part of that might be just attributable to the difficulty of bringing home a big project like this.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, um, there've been a lot of articles also about like, you know, what were some TV shows whose finales we actually liked? And uh, almost all of them are in the pre-internet era. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's just that shows are hard to finish. And the ones that we remember fondly finishing well happened in an era when people didn't immediately have the ability to debate uh, its merits uh, during and after. Which again, the
1: instant scrutiny (laughs) wasn't there.
0: But yeah, um, I I also feel like um, they sort of had a mess of a a story to unpack insofar as by the time they went beyond the books, Martin was not done with his books, still is not done with his books, as I'm sure you guys all know. Um, And so they knew the ending, but not the intervening beats. And... You know, uh, George Martin often blogs about like the the butterfly effect of um, erasing a character early on because it makes sense to cut them early on, means they can't be in there later. And so, you know, I I sort of feel like they were trying to frankenstein together a satisfying conclusion out of bits of the story that they were always trying to tell and also the pieces they had available since you know as a television show even a television show with all the money in the world you can't do the full scope of martin's novels it's just you know it's like it doesn't work uh but yeah so you know game of thrones is done Um, It ended satisfyingly enough for me. I really like the cross-cutting at the end between the three Stark siblings. I thought that was great. Yeah, so I'm getting a a Game of Thrones tattoo, you know. So it's all, you know, it ended well for me, is what I'm trying to (laughs) say.
1: that's i
0: mean it's, that's the important bit is
1: it gonna be like the uh you know elvish script that everyone got after lord of the rings i just, was thinking that i was their calves and things like that
0: i mean I've, I've tweeted at sophie turner and at Maisie williams and at isaac hemstead right and said like do you want this like 36 year old guy to, to you want to share a tattoo with a 36 year old guy about the thing that you uh, you did together kids um no response Wait, yet you're inviting them to also get the to tattoo? also get the same yeah, like the lord of the rings thing where all the members of the fellowship got got that tattoo oh i didn't know that oh yeah they all I got wasn't the, even re- oh sh- what were you referencing
1: i was just referencing people in general who have gotten you know the elfish from the inside of the ring tattooed oh, down their right. forearm or something
0: because they then become a thing of evil that must be unmade in the fires of Mount Doom. Gotcha. No, I get it. No, no, no. All the, all the actors who played um uh who played the members of the fellowship uh, got the Elvish number nine for the nine members of the fellowship tattooed on them. So Sean Bean, Ian McKellen, Elijah Wood, they all have the same tattoo somewhere on their body. It's pretty great.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is that uh, the Elvish symbol for number nine looks like a cheetah driving a sports car. It does. A, it does. It's the really cheetah unfortunate. It actually has a tattoo on him, That's you know, <laughs> mom heart with
0: an arrow through it. Oh um, God. It says something about, about my um, susceptibility to brands that I can't, you can't talk about a cheetah without me thinking, Oh, Chester cheetah. It's just, oh, it Chester was, cheetah. I was absolutely picturing. Oh, Chester Oh, thank cheetah. God. Thank yeah. God. It's an, it's an old, it's an old beatnik cheetah. Apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very sleazy sort of, predatory well i guess all cheetahs are predatory but,
0: yeah, but he's, he's the other kind of predatory right the, the old that kind of predatory the um, leather jacket sunglasses
1: inside kind of predatory
0: yeah yeah i mean and you know so it's a good it's a good ta- no the tattoo is probably going to be probably going to include uh one of the wirewood uh, leaves from uh, from sansa's dress um yeah i like that yeah I like that yeah idea. yeah we'll see we'll see um <laughs>
1: There was uh, the the famously terrible John Snow tattoo. Oh with yes, a snowflake in the background, and then John Snow with like a leopard print scarf.
0: It, it's it's John Snow, but really it's Johnny Depp with a leopard print scarf and a but it's snowflake. Not quite back Johnny.
1: Back De- I mean, it's like Johnny Depp's sort of pug faced cousin.
0: Yeah, who's maybe it's been I, in several bar fights. It's what? Wait, are you implying that Johnny Depp has not been in several bar fights? Because. I would well, imagine he's won every night say, of the week. Saved Johnny Depp's ass in several bar fights. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> I assume it's what Johnny Depp will look like like twenty years from now if he's if he isn't dead yet. It's what he would um, already look like if he wasn't famous. Yes, that's that's true. That's that's exactly it. It's it's the non-famous Johnny Depp. So I guess also future Johnny Depp. Um, Game of Thrones is done. It's over, um, except for all the all the the other Game of Thrones um, uh, series that they are currently pitching. Some of which we may see at some point. Yeah,
1: I mean, I just I'll just say for my part, like I feel a definite sense of relief. Yes, at it being definitely like, because there have been many points over the course of I guess eight years, um,
0: uh, nine since they nine took years, a year off. Right, yeah,
1: that's right. Where it has felt like a job
0: to watch that show. yeah it, it felt like a chore at times it's interesting i don't i never got the chore feeling but i definitely got a feeling of i mean i guess this is a very tyler feeling to have of i am going to probably enjoy this on some level no matter what but people will not like me if i continue to enjoy it so am i going to be able to enjoy a thing that other people will also enjoy was like my my deep anxiety um which is, yeah, it's not a, yeah, it's real tough being me, um, I guess, is what I'm but, trying to say. But yeah, no, I
1: get it. And, um, you know, this story, as both as the books and the, and the television show, has been a big part of your life for a long time.
0: Yeah. it been a small so, so
1: part of my life for a short mm-hmm. time in comparison. <laughs> but, you know, for all of us in society panhandles lighthouses main the main part of states the big parts yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you plot, know i think most plot. people have had yeah. kind of the same experience as me right like, right it's absolutely. been uh something people talked about a lot but not necessarily dominating
0: their thoughts at every waking hour yeah um, yeah um and uh you know i am now actually like i'm unlike the most of America, uh, most of America can sort of go on to other things. I'm not in a place of like, what am I going to do with all this free space in my head where I don't have to think about the next episode of Game of Thrones? Because, yeah,
1: like you say, luckily you only have to wait probably a couple of years before you can start filling up that space again with more Game of Thrones. Absolutely, because we got Game of Thrones, yeah. They've There's already one, said they're going to do, what, at least one spin-off? spinoff?
0: Well, it's gone to pilot, so it will right. at least get filmed. It's been cast. It's, it'll be filmed, and then maybe HBO will say yes or no, depending. But they haven't uh, and, said what it's about. But they have. It is about, and it takes place 10,000 years in the past, and it is about uh, the, the first Long Night, um, you know, when the White Walkers were there thousands of years ago. Uh, it also has the phrase mysteries of the East in it. So I'm glad that they're going to keep all the like Orientalism and racist bullshit from, uh, from Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's awesome. That's I was part really over. hoping yeah. they
1: wouldn't learn anything.
0: But, yeah. I know. Right. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it is provisionally titled Game of Thrones colon blood moon, which, uh-oh.
1: <laughs> blood Moon,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Blood yeah. moon is coming. Blood Moon is coming. They passed on Throne Brian of blood Moon game. Of, Oh, oh, Throne of Blood Moon game. I like that. It's uh it's a Kurosawa movie. And I was just gonna say, Moon yeah, that's uh
1: that's a crossover. That's actually so it takes ten, takes place ten thousand years in the past <laughs> in prehistoric feudal samurai Japan.
0: Right, right.
1: And James Bond is there.
0: Yes, and that's why they said "Mysteries of the East." It all makes sense now. It's uh, it's all it's all a racist reference to mm. Kurosawa's uh, inimitable uh, directorial style. But yeah, so you know, I mean, that's they passed on Brian Cogman's, uh, which is sad because he was the he was you know, for my money, the heart of Game of Thrones, the the writer that that I actually liked, the third head of the dragon, as George Martin keeps calling him. And we had talked about we had talked about you and I proposing our own Game of Thrones spinoffs, uh, and then apparently <laughs> I came up with some and you did not. I, so I'm working this, on.
1: I'm, I'm working f- of. I'm working on, you know, Blood, what, what, of, Moon's
0: Blood game, of Moons game room. Game of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> game room is a pretty good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's about it's, people who get trapped in an escape a uh, uh, Game of Thrones, Thrones theme yeah. escape room. Very much so. And it, it becomes real, I guess. Or yeah, I mean, I you know,
0: know, escape rooms always have to become real, or else they're really bad. Like when that. I mean, I, I was so relieved when that horror film escape room. Came out, and I find out it's about like you know an, an escape room that that has real consequences because otherwise it's just like what what if we, <laughs> we're just watching. Yeah, and also
1: the uh, the comedy vehicle uh, game night. Yeah, oh, right. About right. In a, I guess not an escape room, but like a murder mystery game yes. gone gone
0: wrong. wrong. I didn't actually see it, but I, I heard I heard there were some pretty good things about it. It's okay.
1: okay. It's got some All right. belly
0: laughs. Yeah, so anyway, I guess my
1: proposal is a Game Night, Game of Thrones crossover with uh, Jason Bateman as the Game Night King.
0: Oh, oh uh, that'd, that'd be really good.
1: I like that. Yeah, no, yeah. this is coming together just as I spit yeah. on it. I think I should Absolutely. walk right into HBO HQ and, and just yeah. fire this off the dome.
0: But let's yeah. hear yours. I want to hear Mark, yours. So, I mean, I've been, you know, so it would be, it would be Bran during all of his downtime as king. Just remembering the past of Game of Thrones, you know, like tra- time traveling. Well, I guess you know, just having visions of the past of just like badass moments from. I guess the first is, it could just be like, <laughs> I, I guess, like a clip show of the yeah. of the first. Kind right, of, of Thrones, a yeah. gauzy filter over all of the all of the scenes and and yeah. some uh, some slow mo. Absolutely. And then, you know, they could start once if it if it takes off, they can start filming their own like awesome moments from the past, but they don't need any context. They're just, you know and Bran will be in the in the foreground of all of them just watching. Uh maybe he'll say something every once in a while. Uh, what if
1: it revealed that Bran sort of hilariously misremembered everything that happened? Because then I could really, good.
0: I could write for that
1: if, yeah. if they needed somebody. That'd be, that'd be really good. Yeah, or, or that, if he, uh, or that he just didn't understand the the actual context of any of the things he'd witnessed, and that's why he allowed it all to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, like you know, the first the first scene is like he is watching himself fall from the tower, and then he just. He turns around to Hodor. Hodor has to be in it as a ghost, uh, like a Jedi ghost. So that's that's part right, of it. Right. He just turns around and goes like, what the fuck was that? I don't remember that at all. Did, did, that, did that actually oh, who happen? Who is that kid? Who is that, who is that? <laughs> who is that cute little kid?
1: Um, <laughs> or he's like, that sex scene was really hot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's just, it's just Bran watching all the sex from Game of Thrones. It's just that's the whole show. Oh god! Um, so yeah, I was thinking I'd call it like Bran of Thrones or or Crone of Boys. I don't know something of something. That's what every Game of Thrones title has to be in some way. It's uh, it's Throne of Boys colon Moonbeam of Boys <laughs> Throne of Boys colon <laughs> Moonbeam Parabellum, uh, and then we've got it's, it's good it's good. Um, also, uh, (laughs) the, the second idea I had, which I think is much less of an idea and more just of a, like, how would tell like to spend an afternoon is that it would just be about Braun fixing up Highgarden and The Reach. And it would basically just be, um, the, the British, uh, real estate show Escape to the Country, but with fantasy locations. Cause I would watch, I would watch that so much. Just, just watch Jerome Flynn Wandering around. Struggling with administrative yeah. headaches. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and also just like trying to get new lords and ladies who were killed off in the last war to like move in. And he's trying to like sell it to them. And then they're making very like good rational decisions about whether or not they can really afford a place that's sort so of big like a, like timeshare pitch meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, he's dressed like like he's dressed in John Wick 3. Uh, spoilers for John Wick 3. Uh, I haven't seen John Wick <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, 3 yet. Oh, but I don't.
1: I mean, it's uh, not really a spoiler to know that he's in it, and I also don't care, so don't worry about it. Oh, um, oh man! But you know, since I, yeah. the the Unsullied turned down all that farmland in the Reach, they really uh, they need to get some peons out there working. Absolutely, right. uh, absolutely. That was really not a good deal they offered the Unsullied. That hey, was, do you want not- to go do farm labor for the yeah. rest of your lives, and then you'll just you'll all get old together, and you'll all die, and that'll be it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you want to sign on for thirty to thirty to forty years of, you know, I guess leasing
1: <laughs> this
0: this yeah, farmland? Basically,
1: land? feed the rest of the empire. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm 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 writing on a thing of game of, uh, a thing on Game of Thrones and and like race and oof the uns- If they whiffed anything, they just they ruined the Unsullied by the end of this. Gray Worm is a is a really interesting like a character they built from scratch more or less The gray worm exists in the books but he basically has no personality and is just the sort of like insert leader of unsullied here uh and they were doing some interesting things and they just they just it all fell apart i guess that didn't could really be a
1: prime example of that sociological versus psychological because yeah. kind of the the uh Unsullied are pure sociology, right? They're a right, construct right. of a society. They have no personal, no individual personality. Absolutely, and that, that just didn't work for them. So they had to give the leader a personality, yeah. and and they did it well for a long time. And then yeah, they totally screwed up the end game.
0: I, I this is a bit of a side note, but um, I watched a bunch of videos about like the real accents that Game of Thrones actors have. But the ones that really caught me off guard were uh, Jerome Flynn, who plays Braun, and Ian Glenn, who plays uh, Jorah Mormont. Uh, Jerome Flynn has a very, very posh, um, it's just completely, you know, completely genteel and a little bit pretentious. And then Ian Glenn, I mean, he's Scottish, so he's got a Scottish accent, but also his his voice is just like 10 octaves higher than Jorah Mormont's. It's the same voice, but just very aggressively high-pitched.
1: God, he must have been killing his vocal cords, too. I know,
0: I know. Um, And thank God, because I would never have accepted, you know, a silver fox like Ian Glenn having a very high-pitched voice. God, I love a Scottish brogue.
1: One time I went when I was with my family in New Zealand a long, long time ago. (laughs) We went on one of these, like, Maori village visits. It's kind of like, you know, it's like a, a Disney version of a Maori village.
0: Right, the right, to
1: visit and they take you through the haka and all this stuff mm-hmm. and you have to send a representative from your camp out to like meet their their representative right. in in uh, well combat if it comes to that but um, just you know making faces at each other and going through all these rituals mm-hmm. so we sent out there were a bunch of very drunk Scotsmen on our tour bus and so we sent out Jimmy from Edinburgh <laughs> and he fucking killed. It. I mean, he had no inhibitions whatsoever. He was completely nuts. So that's
0: that's that's fantastic. I'm I would love to see that. Um, I'd love to see and Glenn do that. But
1: yeah, yeah. So that's all we've got for Game of Thrones spinoffs. We've I got think that's, I think yeah. Brawn.
0: But yeah, and then we've got Crone of Boys, and then we've got what are you um, saying,
1: Cro- Crone
0: of boys Crone Cron of Boys. Cause you know, cause like he's the three eyed Raven and sorry, oh, yeah. this is actually, I realize this is a weird, like deep cut that like the seven, uh, Trueborn, well, the five Trueborn Stark kids and the, and, and Catelyn and Ned are, uh, are the seven aspects of the, 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 the seven gods who are one, the new gods. Right. Um, right. Right. And Bran is the crone cause he sees everything and Nari is the stranger cause she's death and then everyone else is who you'd expect. Um, but uh Do the do the direwolves uh, map onto nope. that as well? Nope, nope. Much like in the show, the direwolves have nothing to do with anything.
1: Well, uh, at least at least uh, ghost finally got a pat. God yeah. he got to do You think yes. they
0: reshot that after the the outrage? Oh, I know with there's one thing I know, it's that it's very easy to in two weeks fly out to Northern Ireland and insert a shot of Kid Harrington petting petting a, a fucked up wolf. Uh, you know they can do crazy stuff these days with true.
1: computers.
0: <laughs> it's actually it's actually from a, a, an entirely different show where Kit Harrington is trying to defuse a bomb, and they just they just put the direwolf in there.
1: It's a show. It's actually another Game of Thrones spinoff, but he has to defuse bombs that are that have been planted on dogs. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it's basically the most stressful show imaginable.
0: It's really, yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, like
1: how Richard Madden did Bodyguard. This is Kit Harrington trying to... Right,
0: right. And, and you know, you just get to... Um, I mean, I guess like it's stressful, but the relief is that at the end, there's just 10 straight minutes of Kit Harrington petting dogs. Yeah, like, just when he rolling does, around just, with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be... It'll yeah, be the I think, I mean, yeah, I think yeah.
1: Boy Throne
0: is, Throne is promising.
1: Good.
0: Yes, I like your escape room idea. I think... Escape to Blood Moon, Game of Game of Game of Games. It's Ellen DeGeneres' Game of Game of Thrones. And then She's gardening just, with Bron. Gardening with Bron. Yeah. A lot of
1: people were made anxious by the fact that he's in charge of the treasury he's, now. And yeah,
0: it's it's a real bad decision.
1: We're really worried about his ability to deliver municipal services that people need in a mm-hmm. timely and efficient manner.
0: And it just—it's like it's. See, and so this is my – I think this is my problem with, like, the response to Game of Thrones. We have spent so much time about, like, did Jon pet that dog? Did Brienne, like, close the book before the ink dried? Like, the – it's totally okay to be bothered by these things, but that has, like, so dominated the conversation at the end that it's like, well, was it – but really, like, was it generally good? Did you generally think it did an okay job or, like – were you so checked out of it that all you could do was go like, "Oh no, she ruined that book." You're right that
1: um, when you start fixating on things like that, it means your mind has um, kind of checked out of what's really going on and what actually matters, and that you're yes. you're no longer uh, suspending your disbelief or kind of lost in in the dream of this right. work. And, and I guess, yeah. It's inevitable for that to happen eventually. It's unfortunate that it happened before the show ended.
0: Right, right. What about people who are bored all the time? Where's the TV for them? Uh, I know where it is. It's on TNT. Oh. It's, uh, TNT
1: original series Animal Kingdom, which I've seen about 7 million promos for. Oh, man. I've been watching the NBA playoffs.
0: Yeah. Um, so that was an Australian film that became an American show, right? I think Isn't I know like nothing
1: Jeff- about Trump? it beyond what I've seen while the TV is muted uh, during commercial breaks. But it's clearly it's, you know, prestige TV for dumb people.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Like
1: everything looks very prestigey,
0: Right. But at the same time, like you can tell the actors are not very good. Uh, I mean, I did watch The Alienist on TNT and it was definitely, it definitely oh, had a feeling yeah. of like... I mean, I love the Alienist novels, kind of, you know. I mean, they're, they're, they're interesting. It actually had good actors in it, too. It did. Have, it had good actors, but they looked a little – they just looked a little bit out of their depth all the time.
1: Um, yeah, and that was a sh- – I, I didn't make it all the way through that series. It was fine. The, it was, the plotting you know, was dragging too much for me. and
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, oh, I, and then um, – hmm? I
1: didn't love the novel either, though I should say, so I
0: mean i I read the novel a few years ago after people had been like telling me to read it for half my life, and so it didn't it didn't hold up to the hype that people had pressed it, yeah, upon. when you have when you have yeah. tastes
1: like we have people, that's like the popular novel that everyone is telling you to read right
0: right. And you know, it was it was i it, I read it and its sequel, and they were both thoroughly enjoyable to listen to on audiobook while I played the end of Horizon Zero Dawn, which is how I how I consumed those. It was good for that. Yeah, that Um, sounds perfect. Um uh, just yeah, it was just Horizon Zero Dawn, but occasionally someone says in a in a bad Irish accent, but what of the boy whores? (laughs) Uh, You know, which was like (laughs) have you heard about the boy whores?
1: Your attention
0: snapped back. Oh, right, the book uh game of horse game of, <laughs> boy whore is basically well that was like seasons what two and three yeah <laughs> oh god it was exactly seasons two and three jesus let's talk about your piano recital if you actually want to no
1: i'm happy to talk about it although that just reminded me i want to segue with
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: with the um I just started reading a book that I think is going to be fantastic, and you—you you may already have read this or at least heard of it because it's not by any means a hidden gem or anything. But uh, the Luminaries, Eleanor Catton.
0: I have I have not heard. Of, you, I've heard of the Lumineers, of it? <laughs> but not this novel. <laughs> it's, th-
1: this is a novelization of the Lumineers' debut album. Uh, no, this is uh, it's you know a neo-Victorian novel. Uh won the Man Booker Prize, came out in like 2013 or something. Writing is beautiful. It's very much a novel in like the Wilkie Collins mode of like, uh, I'm like 40 pages in. There's already been a secret conclave, a ghost, a storm at sea, and uh, a murder.
0: <gasps> well, that sounds amazing. Yeah,
1: it's neo-Victorian in the best way and that it has... You know, it's written in the best approximation of Victorian language that yeah, a modern yeah. writer can do, but with kind of the valence of uh, modern sensibility and yeah. like, awareness of colonialism and race issues and things like that. So,
0: yeah, I, I found uh, Sarah Waters, the Essex serpent, to kind of be in that same category. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sarah of, Perry. Yeah. Sarah Perry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Sarah, Sarah Waters, Waters wrote, is finger, the, yeah, finger Fingersmith. Yeah. <laughs> I get all of my like vaguely uh, psychosexual Victorian <laughs> yarns confused when a, a Sarah wrote them.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Essex Serpent is was very good too. Um, this is different from that. It's it's more more like novel of sensation. Gotcha style. Like right, the Essex yeah. Serpent was interesting in that it was a novel of sensation that never became sensational. It yeah yeah it actually yeah. avoided that in really right, interesting ways. Right.
0: Spoilers for the for the Sarah Perry novel, The Essex Serpent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, I, I'm I'm excited by that. Anyway, I, so uh, I just yeah. started
1: that, and it's 850 pages. So
0: give me a minute, to finish it. But I just actually finished recently reading uh, Possession for the first time. I'd never read. I've S- never S- read S- that. Uh, mm. It's in, it's again. It's got a neo-Victorian. I mean, it's um. It hit way too close to home uh, because it's about uh, Victorianist uh, literary scholars. Uh, and one thing that's really great is that because a lot of it is told through their uh, letters um, and through their, through their works. Um, A.S. Byte does a really great job of mimicking uh, what Victorian poets are like. But yeah, you, you play piano now or something? What's up with that? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, so I started learning to play the piano a little over two years ago. At the age of 32, which you may or may not know is not the the usual age. I mean, I figured. Usually guy, they start at yeah. about five and then they quit at about eight when their parents can't Wait.
0: stand making them anymore. They at least start within Mozart's lifetime. They don't start after he had died. Um I don't know if Mozart lived, I, I, I assume, I think he died before. Oh, 30. you mean, not his actual lifetime. No, but his, like, they, yeah. His like age span. Yes. Yeah. If Mozart, if, if the age you are currently is an age at which Mozart was already a corpse, then maybe you don't take up piano. 35, he was 35. All right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so under never mind. the wire. Yeah, you're under the wire. You made it, you, you just made it in. You're already being poisoned by Salieri, probably, but <laughs> spoilers for Mozart's life anyway sorry you've started playing piano you're you're not yet dead what's up so like a child i i take
1: lessons every (laughs) week i go to my teacher's house carrying my music under my arm and uh you know it's really fucking great like it's really hard really really hard and because it's so hard you can't think about anything else while you're doing it so it's a, a break from everything else that you have to think about yeah basically it came came to the point where my teacher was asking me if i wanted to play in a recital and the recital was at a retirement home there were probably about 25 30 people there and uh it was the parents of the people who were performing and then the people who were performing um all of which were age 10 or under except for me everyone assumed i was someone's parent
0: oh no Slightly oh, sorry. That just dawned on me. Like, I kept thinking, oh, the parents are going to be there, but no, no, no. Oh, they thought you were. Okay. All right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, oh, Ben. There's this, be- <laughs> there's this beautiful Steinway grand piano, baby grand piano, uh, at the front of the auditorium. And, um, <laughs> it's just these little kids in their, like, clip on ties or Sunday school dresses or whatever <laughs> going up there and playing you know, up on the rooftop with, with one hand and then me. And so here's mm-hmm. this now 34 year old man
0: mm-hmm. up there. And, and we should say Ben is, you're what? Eight, nine feet tall. You're a, yeah, you're depends a, jo- on the you day. Are
1: depends if a... I <laughs> slept upside down the night before. Um, but yeah, but no, so for people crazy. who don't know, I me mean, I'm, I'm, Between six five and six six,
0: so so most most of
1: these people were about three and a half feet tall.
0: Right? Did they have to lower the child size piano seat so you could? Well, they had a they had a booster seat for the kids
1: and like booster pedals underneath. I love every second (laughs) of this. So I had to move those (laughs) off and then sit down at the piano strangely uh hearing all the kids play before me made me less nervous because mm-hmm. um i realized like okay i'm actually better than these kids because i'm an adult i um i probably actually learn more slowly than them but i have more discipline i mm-hmm. actually practice so,
0: so you blew all those kids out of fucking water yeah you're so telling.
1: it's basically like they, they are not ready for this chopin prelude
0: awesome Awesome, uh, but no,
1: maybe I was like, okay, so the parents who are here are actually going to be relieved to hear some kind of adult-sounding music, right? So that made me a little less nervous. But I was still nervous, so, but I got up there, I played my thing, and I I did fine actually. Well um, oh, that's good. Would you Would you play again? So I played a Chopin,
0: Frederick Chopin, right, right. Prelude. Yes. Audience pick your favorite Chopin prelude and I can I have a plan. recording
1: of myself playing it so I can only <gasps> stitch that in here. Oh please. No, 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 end. please
0: stitch in. <laughs> Let's like uh, that's our new theme song is Ben playing a Chopin prelude.
1: <laughs> so I played Chopin.
0: You played Chopin.
1: Um, and then I played a contemporary piece from a book for children who are practicing for their piano recitals. Mm. Uh, and
0: it's about it's about goats or the stars or what?
1: Uh, it's called Mist. It's about Mist.
0: Mm-hmm. It. Okay, I got it from a book of sinister child music.
1: But the funniest part, actually, was at the end when they had all the people who, it was their debut, their first time playing a recital, come up and uh, take a photograph and, like, take a bow together.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was me and four or five children under the age of six. So I'm standing there and I'm just looking out and, at my wife in, like, the fourth row and she's just shaking with laughter watching this (laughs) as i stand
0: up here with all these little kids and we take a bow i mean that's really good did she bring you like orange slices or something (laughs) we get to go out for
1: for uh soft serve afterwards or something
0: right probably should have asked for that
1: anyway Uh, i don't know i don't know how funny that
0: story is to people who weren't there but Think. Absolutely. No, I think, think I'm very on board for uh, if you have another recital, we should we should always tell the story of Ben's recitals. They're very important. Yeah, I don't know if I will do another one. Maybe.
1: but At a certain point, it, doing it once with a bunch of little kids is kind of funny, but at a certain point, it might start to become really kind of weird or sad. Right,
0: right. <laughs> um. I don't know. <laughs> I mean there is a yeah, like when you're in your when you're in your early thirties or your mid thirties, I think you can get away with it. Round about the time you get to your like fifties, it becomes really disturbing. But I bet by your seventies or eighties, like it's cute again. It would be charming again, yeah, because I'd be yeah, living in yeah. the retirement
1: home. Right, right. Be, oh oh look, he's lost. Oh. <laughs> oh well just let him play something 'cause
0: just, Yeah, yeah. You don't want to give him, him a
1: heart attack.
0: What is that sinister music? What is that sinister music for children? Why is this
1: old, old man playing sinister music box?
0: Why is there a carousel whirling closer and closer to us outside? I should say, I
1: I, I, I sort of described it poorly because the the piece missed is actually not sinister. It's quite soothing. The Chopin's probably more sinister. It's not. I wouldn't say it's sinister, but it's. If you know anything about Chopin, he was a very sickly sad man
0: well, i mean I, I assumed that because he is a a classical musician from after like 1630 so right
1: yeah he is he was a um you know a consumptive like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. almost
0: everyone like all the in all the people era. I think. Yeah. And absolutely. he died.
1: He died in his early forties, I think. Or maybe his late thirties. I think it was late thirties, actually. Okay.
0: So he, he beat he beat Mozart by a by a little bit.
1: Yeah. He that was his goal.
0: That was his goal. Outlive his Mozart. His goal
1: was to beat everyone. He was a man who never admitted that anyone else ever did anything good. Robert Schumann wrote a series of twelve piano pieces. Schumann was a syphilitic. Mm -hmm. i mean they all had something
0: right obviously Um, yeah yeah yeah.
1: but he wrote a series of 12 piano pieces and dedicated it to chopin and one of the pieces was even called chopin Mm -hmm. and sent it to him and uh chopin like wrote back to him and said uh, the only thing he liked about it was the cover art (laughs) (laughs) so he was just a straight up dick he was uh-huh. a huge dick. and would never admit that he liked any of his contemporaries' music, or that they could play the piano well, or anything.
0: Did Did Schumann? I mean, I, I can imagine like the way out of that for Schumann is to like say, "Oh, no, no, no! I, I left, I left an apostrophe off. The piece is called Chopin. <laughs> Chopin. It's called Chopin. This is music to
1: Chopin. It's a real by. groovy little Chopin. Yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So you played, you played music by dicks for children. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a good it's a good no no no, that's a good niche to get into. I look forward to hearing about your musical travails. Mm-hmm. I will maybe take up the bassoon at some point. That mournful bassoon. And yeah, just, and then I can tell you about all the all the times I I shattered reeds with my with my acid breath. I don't know. So <laughs> I, <laughs> the
1: actual funniest thing that happened at this recital was uh-huh. a 10-year-old boy who'd been taking accordion lessons. And oh, yeah. uh, yes. he had an accordion that was the size of him. I mean, uh-huh. he could barely, he, I think he needed help to sort of get up as he was wearing it. Right. And then he struggled up on stage with it. You know, the, an accordion has like this elaborate holster setup that yeah. straps yeah, onto yeah. you. And then he sit, yeah, sits like down on way. his chair. And uh opens this thing up. You know, his his expression and his entire uh countenance was very grave, very serious, right. as he launches into playing. um I think he opened with Mexican Hat Dance. Oh, yeah. No, 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 you know a Russian polka, like, and then it, and then he closed with uh, "Stars and Stripes Forever," John Philip suka Yeah, yeah, those are Yeah. Oh my god,
0: it was amazing.
1: Oh, that's think, really good. Yeah, it was one of the god, most entertaining it's... musical performances I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I got to start going to more children's recitals. um Yeah, no, it wouldn't be weird at all to just that try it to find like out where they're
1: happening and like, I can
0: go with. I can go with my partner because when like there's a, a, you know, a lady there, then you, you don't get as much flack.
1: No, that's Um, that's
0: definitely, that saves you. And if someone asks me which, which child is yours, I will point to one definitively. (laughs) (laughs) And just chances are they won't know. Chances are I won't have picked theirs. There it is. Oh, but if I do. She blows. Say that. (laughs) She blows. (laughs) Lucky. Well, (laughs) <laughs> a hump
1: like a great snow hill
0: you see the boy whore over there
1: <laughs> so i was thinking of that because i was watching um the orson welles clip from moby dick where he plays yes. the, the 1956 moby dick he plays uh, father mapple the mm-hmm. the uh priest in the in the Siemens bethel who gives the uh sermon on jonah
0: and oh, the whale i know father mapple
1: I was. I, I know you do. I, that was for the benefit of the Rubes, and yeah. And then Gregory Peck plays Ahab. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, yeah. Just yeah. affect an Ahab voice and point to a child, and and you'll be <laughs> you'll glide right by.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: I was supposed to make my piano debut in the foyer of a Mexican restaurant
0: where that grim, grim rendition of Mexican hat dance would have been somewhat warranted. It would have worked. The, uh, the grim Chopin would have felt a little more out of place. Right, right. Uh, I, I thought, are we getting chimichangas? What is <laughs> what is this noise? Am like? am slowly dying
1: noise? of consumption? Because <laughs> this particular prelude I I played, There's uh, some scholars have argued that it's supposed to be an expression of what it's like to have... Uh, tuberculosis which is the actual oh, name okay. for being consumptive it's got, it's yeah, got yeah. sort of this like rhythmic pattern that could be thought of as breathing and, and it's then, sexy
0: as hell is what you're saying it's just like yeah it's just like pale blood on the handkerchief sexy
1: exactly smoking hot chopin yeah. hey i mean it worked for uh george sand she was into it
0: it, it did so, it, worked, it worked real well for george sand's and you know, for uh, for you and McGregor in Moulin Rouge. God, that was my poll. Podcast Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. We're done with anyway, this.
1: Anyway, the uh, the Mexican restaurant got snowed <laughs> out.
0: Oh. oh god We had a, oh, a, a blizzard
1: that weekend yeah. and
0: you, you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you live in a you live in a terrible place there's snow jesus i i didn't think that you'd have to deal with snow
1: yeah we have we have it we have it all and hurricanes we have hurricanes we have snow we have man-eating vines
0: oh the kudzu yeah
1: we don't have kudzu so
0: much but we have every other kind of creeping
1: vine you could imagine
0: Oh please! I, so I mean, I should come out and visit. We'll, we'll do a live show. <laughs> sure, uh, we should. We should do a it at Mexican restaurants. <laughs> yes. I need to. I need to come out and live in the in the in the 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 Southern Gothic. But really, uh, I mean, sorry, as much fun as fun the Fest, California yeah. Gothic is arguably a thing,
1: and yes. it is. It, it is the southern gothic is much it's a much closer cousin of the victorian
0: gothic i would absolutely say. absolutely our houses aren't as dilapidated our uh you know our yeah, uh, oh, we uh, do some real good dilapidation out here right right the, we fought just, we fought for the north you yeah. know there's a lot of things that keep us both out of out of true gothic and on the right side of history it's uh <laughs> Well,
1: actually, uh, you didn't fight for the North.
0: You just skipped the war to go out and pan gold instead. Look, look, we technically were part of the Union, and we sent some soldiers, like four, four or five. (laughs) We should also, uh, just given everything that we've talked about, and maybe, maybe this gets cut out, but we should, you and I should play Dick sometime. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Wow, that's I just, very forward of you. That's very, it's very forward of me. No, it's a game. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's basically Cards Against Humanity, except all of the like, cards that you play are, um, are Moby Dick quotes. And it's really good. That does sound amazing. I would love it's that. Really, it's really we good. We can do it's a really live play on the podcast. We can do a live play on the podcast. This is our podcast about board games we might play. That's twelve hours of a podcast right there. Yeah, you that'd be great. We could do an all day, so get, you know, all day cast. Right, right. Uh, and you know, and to bring it back full circles, is the Game of Thrones game, which is really fantastic. Um, it's like Risk but fun. Uh, Yeah, I think Dick is probably a good place to start. It's a good place to start, you know, or Psychological Guess Who, one of those two. And honestly, like, you know, now having played Psychological Guess Who, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept, you play the game Guess Who, but you can only ask questions about their backstory or about um, their personality instead of their their physical appearance, uh, you and I are always really horrifyingly in tune on that one, which is good. Like, I've played it with other people now, and it's like, oh... I mean, this is the thing with Ben, where he and I just understand who among these people owns a ferret. We just understand each other's particular psychosis. Oh. Well,
1: this has been the Lincoln and (laughs) Wells podcast. (laughs) 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 Thank you for joining us. Uh,
0: Do you have anything to
1: say about Dune before we sign off?
0: I guess, I guess just like, Fade Routh still hasn't been cast, so... Get at us, Denny Newtown. Yeah, let's. Um,
1: <laughs> next time, we'll we'll do a an on air interview with our our talent agent to see what
0: of, he absolutely. or she
1: or they can do about getting us into
0: into into the new Dune, <laughs> where we both play Fade Rautha. Game of Dune. Game of Dune. Dune blood Moon. Boys. <laughs> Dune Moon. <laughs> Dune Moon and the Blood Boys. <laughs> now we just fade out slowly on Ben on the haunting sounds of Chopin. This is this is Chopin Prelude number six, mm-hmm. Ode to a Mexican Hat. Shopping with Frederick. Shopping with Freddie.
1: Oh, that uh, would be a good idea for a show. Is a a cooking show hosted by Frederick Chopin? Yes. He's just and morose just, and sullen and disagreeable.
0: Yeah. Every um, he just sort of disappears under the table after a while and is just like lying on the floor, breathing heavily into a paper bag.
1: He was supposedly so weak. Toward the end of his life, that he actually couldn't even play a piano loudly.
0: But mm. mm. you think
1: like that's really not that hard to do. You can sort of oh. do it with your body weight, but he was incredible at playing quietly. Mm. It's actually quite difficult to play very quietly, and he could do that. So
0: he would love the first three episodes of our podcast.
1: Well he wouldn't like anything, but yeah. That's true. That's true. All
0: right. All right. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's actually it. <laughs> Good good night, panhand- You you princes of panhandles, you mm. you kings of the lighthouse. Should we set our Twitter handles at the end of this? Do we want our our fans on Twitter Ooh. following us, or is that yeah? Is that they just can inviting? do that. Okay, all right, all right. So I'm at Tyler underscore Maximus on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm at
1: Benjamin T Miller. Just no. So you just went right Benjamin. for it.
0: The whole the whole thing.
1: Well, there are a lot of Ben Millers in the world. Uh, that's true. And that's true. All of them are trying to fuck with my shit. So, uh, uh, yeah.
0: I have such a crush on Rebel Wilson. I am. This is a subject for another thing. And also, like my mom apparently listens to our podcast now and did ask me. Like she sent me a text the other day that was like, "You like people with bad teeth?" I was like, A, I forgot that I even said that. B." oh no oh no i gotta stop talking about things yeah into. so now
1: both of our moms are are making a, yeah. the majority of our fan base here so we this really is gotta the, think about that and
0: mom cast right now <laughs> this is and, mom uh, fan
1: cast because we're both yeah. big fans of moms and
0: <laughs> we love we love moms of moms of all genders moms of all kinds and specifically our own mothers
1: we do That's, there's no, there's no facetiousness there. That's really.
0: Maybe maybe we'll like yours. Who knows? Who knows? Get at us, listener. Maybe we already did. Hey, hey. Oh, oh, tweet at us. Do we like your mom? (laughs) Would we like your mom? We'll put a poll up. (laughs) One of these jokes has got to be good enough for us to end the podcast on, right? (laughs) Yeah. Does does it feel like we're
1: searching? We're searching for one that we feel good about?
0: Oh, Jesus. It's almost as though. Yeah, you and I are friends. Yeah, it's a good sign, a sign
1: t- for our friendship. <laughs> it's a bad, bad, bad sign for
0: <laughs> for our listeners. Yeah. for our terrible, terrible listeners and their terrible dark deeds. This is Lincoln and Wells. Uh, you've uh, were brought to you by. Sam I guess Scott Casper. Horse.
1: Cool. All right, cool. Lincoln, uh, Lincoln. Lincoln signing off.
0: Wells Godspeed. signing out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs>